Welcome to the Long-Term Care Chronicles podcast. So much, Doris, for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles. And I know this is like the third time. The last time you were on was back in December of 2020. And now we're in our third wave of this pandemic. And of course, staffing issues. And as we predicted. Yes, as you predicted. And as well. Yeah. And I, if you can just, you know, and of course, right now there's, there's staffing issues. Um you know, residents right now are still in long-term care, even though most have been vaccinated, they can't go out for, for fresh air. Can you just speak on these, uh, a couple of these for these, please? Yeah. So let me start at the end of your comments because those are the most important yeah. actually about the residents themselves. Uh, the weather is getting nicer. Um, spring is here and residents still cannot go out, right? So it's like, when are we going to be able to free up residents to quite frankly have a life? Because a year has passed already. Thankfully, in Ontario, at least that, that one piece is better than in some other jurisdictions. Finally, a few months ago, we were able to allow two essential care partners to go to residents. Yes. I say amen because that's about the only thing we have won. And, yeah. and, and credit is due that the premier helped with that because it's his office that yes. helped me directly to move that with our seniors that were asking and, and our team at RNO that did a lot of work on it. But now it's time that they can go out. And the reality is is that with the spread in the community, the way it is, it's not safe. Unless, unless they can go from their nursing home to the home of a kid that was vaccinated also, and that is not out and about in the opening of restaurants, etc., etc. We need to understand that even when we are vaccinated, we still will need to have, be careful. This is what people still don't want to accept. Yes. Let me tell you a story. In Chile, the degree of vaccination is way, way, way higher than ours. And they have a huge third outbreak and they just went into full lockdown and the vaccination is better. So people need to get used to the idea that here in our country, after we are vaccinated and after everything reopens, we will need to go with a mask. Yes. And we will need to be careful that we don't have parties of 500 people. Madrid yes. already announced that the entire 221 gatherings of tons of people. We better start to understand this because if not, we will keep losing more and more people and hospitals will be fuller. Exactly. And, and that affects people with COVID when hospitals are full. And it also affects people with other conditions which are being delayed in their procedures, in their treatments, in their surgeries. So we need to take action, all of us as mature people, and help yes. others that are less thoughtful about it take action. And the government needs to realize that these mixed messages that they're sending about be careful because the new variant spread very, very quickly 
and much faster and appear to be more, you know, they make you sicker. It's all true. But then don't say it on the same hand. Oh, but we're reopening the restaurant. Yes. We are reopening this. We're going to reopen the hairdresser. I'm starting to believe that the government is doing it for more than one reason. One is because of the tremendous pressure they get from the business community. And yes. the second, quite frankly, to wash their hands on helping the business get through these few months. Because if you, Wendy, had a business and I tell you reopen and you reopen, then I don't need to help you anymore because supposedly you are doing okay already. Very true. Very true. So, so, so people need to get the hold, number one, of themselves and our own behaviors. Yes. and take care of ourselves and others so we really can move through this period. And we can really then have hospitals doing what hospitals do, which is take care of very sick people without having 400 ICU beds occupied by people with COVID. That's the situation today. Yes. This means 400 beds that are ICU beds that cannot be there for people that had serious surgeries. That's simple as that. Yeah. And from for those 400 people with COVID in an ICU, there is a good percentage that will die. And we better understand that. Yeah. And we better understand that. Oh, and then um, I know that you had spoken to the Ontario Long-Term Commission last year twice. And you mentioned in your second testimony that in terms of with the staffing, you need the scale mix and the evidence. And in addition, you testified about the Interact 2 model that is being proposed in the US, which is the funding to homes based on quality. Can you speak to this? So RNO has been speaking for several years about the funding model in Ontario. The funding model in Ontario is based on what's called CMI, case mix index, how complex a resident is. And the more complex, the more funding the home gets. But here comes our NEO with our evidence-based guidelines to prevent falls, to prevent pressure injuries, to prevent outbursts of, you know, when people have dementia and sometimes delirium that are out. We, we teach, caregivers, nurses and PSWs and families, how to deal with these situations and things get better. There is less falls, there is less pressure injuries, there is less use of restraints. And then what happens? Government yanks the money next year because your case mix index got better. It's the, the rest less complex, thankfully. Yeah. What we are saying is those homes that are doing good interventions, whereby because evidence-based practice, the conditions of residents become better mm -hmm. and therefore less complex, then the funding will not be pulled away, that the funding remains to do continuous quality improvement in programs for residents. Meaning, 
that we fund based on complexity and that we also fund based on quality outcomes. So we, we praise and we, um, we bonus, so to speak, quality outcomes by you being able to retain the funding and reinvesting it not on shareholders, reinvesting it on program and staffing for residents. Yeah. So we, we incentivize you to do good work and you're not afraid that if you do good work, the money will be taken away. You know, you told me one time, you asked me how many people from the for-profit versus not-for-profit participate in our evidence-based practice, best practice spotlight organizations, I remember you. And I said to yeah. you uh, that the great majority were not-for-profit. What we didn't have time to discuss is why. Why? Because we don't charge for the program. Why? Because several um, of sector at one point told me, why would, why would we want to do better when money is going to be taken away from us? Like it, may, it truly, yes, it's true. truly makes no sense, right? So yeah. we want everybody for profit, not for profit, to do better because that's what residents want. That's what residents need. That's what family members need to sleep well at night. And that's what staff wants to do. They want to do good care and we teach them to do good care with evidence-based guidelines. And we want government to stop yanking the money away from the yeah. next year budget yeah. because you did good. We want to, in fact, incentivize you that you did good by telling you keep the money and reinvest it again, not on shareholders, but on good care. Yes, definitely. And currently now you have your action alerts, the first one being the attending nurse practitioners in long-term care. Can you speak to this one? Yes. So we issue um, a few weeks ago a report called a nurse practitioner vision for tomorrow. And in it, we are asking that every single year for the next five years, the government fund a hundred nurse practitioners to work in net, directly in nursing homes. To then five years from now, basically have in every single nursing home a nurse practitioner on site. Why? Because we currently have 60 nurse practitioners in nursing homes. And we know, because we know from the research and we know from COVID and we know from before COVID, that those homes that have a nurse practitioner on site deliver better outcomes. Because they have some nurse practitioners, remember, they, they, diagno they, they diagnose, they prescribe. So you have someone every day looking after that resident and being able to monitor better, better outcomes. So you, you, first of all, you save a lot of money. So it's not, it will not cost to government because you save in transporting people to hospitals because NPs can take care of the residents there. But most importantly, the quality of life and the clinical outcomes and the health outcomes of residents. Yeah and therefore the lives of their families and the staff is much better. So yes. 
That's what we are asking. The premier said at Queen's Park in February to us, we did a virtual Queen's Park day that put the numbers. I am interested on that. Well, we gave the numbers. We want to see a hundred nurse practitioners on this budget that was just announced. We are yet to see that. We haven't been told that it's there. So for now we are basically doing an action alert tell the premier that we need a hundred nurse practitioners this year in nursing homes across yes. this province and start with the ones that have, that have most difficulty. Exactly. And then your second uh, action alert is with the national standards. And you have three points on these on this particular action alert with the new builds, not to be factories, as well as to suspend or rescind the licenses of repeat offenders, and as well the legislated basic care. Can you speak to these yeah. three? So let me start with the latter, yeah. because I think it's the most important. The nurse, the long-term care nursing home basic care guarantee, which speaks about four worked hours of care per resident in each single home, whether for profit or not for profit. That's number one. You heard the premier uh, and Minister Fullerton announcing the four hours of care. Yes. And I was asked to be put in a committee called the the Health Human Resources Long-Term Care Acceleration Committee. Well, in that committee, they did speak about an acceleration of the four hours of care uh, for residents in long-term care. Now, you may remember that Minister Fullerton released a report at one point, and even after she and the Premier spoke about, we will do these four hours of care in the when your listeners too, were up in arms because four hours is not good enough, hey, four hours. Four hours is not good enough, by the way, neither because it should be five, but let's stick with the four. But we, but four years after we are the worst country, let me put it in the parking lot for you and I will come back to this. The worst country in the world, the worst country in the entire developed world, OECD, we are the worst of the worst, shame on us. Shame on government, federal, like provincially, and all of us that we are the worst in terms of how many people have died in our nursing homes. And this is in part, in big part, due to staffing. So no, we cannot wait for years. So this acceleration committee sounds very good. I hope it will deliver good, because if not, I will quit. That's simple. That's simple, Wendy. I am not there a token. They asked me to be in the committee. They know the way we function at Arenio. You deliver, we applaud. You deliver, we help you even more. But if you don't deliver, we are out of there and we go to the other side to complain. Meaning to the other side, meaning public, to the public. So I will be reporting on these issues through my uh, Twitter. You may want to write the Twitter for people. Uh, uh, it is uh, Doris Greenspoon, D-O-R-I-S, Greenspoon, G-R-I-N-S-P-U-N, Twitter. That's the only thing I do. My office does everything else also. But I will be reporting directly to the public on how things are moving along. So far, 
um, we have had good discussions, but I, I haven't seen nothing move along, including not in the budget. What we saw in the budget is a large number of, of positions for PSWs announced, and that is very good. Uh, but let's see that that materializes number one. And number two, PSWs need side by side with them, the RNs and the RPNs and the nurse practitioners to be able to deliver quality outcomes. And thirdly, they need the knowledge. And for that, what we are convincing government is to embed our guidelines in the electronic medical red records of all the nursing homes. So when a PSW comes to work and enters the name of the resident or a nurse comes or a, et cetera, they will have the guidelines relevant residents they are doing so that actually we deliver better care. No ECD because that has me very preoccupied. The second report came from CIHI and really it shows that, um, I don't know if to say shamefully or tragically, probably both, Canada is the country amongst all the rich countries, OECD are the rich countries of this world. Canada is the worst country in relationship to the outcomes of COVID on the largest number in this country. And, and it behooves the question, not only for Quebec, which is the worst province and Ontario, the second worst, it behooves the question to prime Minister Trudeau, why didn't he call the many times we asked for an emergency? Why didn't you take over when you saw that provinces, or at least take over the provinces that were doing terrible, why you didn't take over? And my fear, Wendy, and I will continue to say this publicly, is that unless we see something in April 19 in the federal budget, related to yes. national standards in long-term care vis-a-vis -vis transfer funding, meaning you only will get this transfer funding if you are aligning with national standards for long-term care that include PS, the four hours of care, 48 minutes of an RN per day, that's nothing, 48 minutes in 24 hours, 60 minutes of an RPN, that again is very little, but at least something, 132 minutes of a PSW, and then one nurse practitioner in each home and one IPAC nurse in each home. If we don't see money for that, it's all an election promise, same as in Ontario. And I'm not going to shy away of saying it because I am. we are so tired, nurses and families, Wendy, and you guys with the chronicle are at are, are really amazing on this because you have advocated side by side with us. We are so tired of the rhetoric. We are so tired of empty handed promises and we got to stop it. We got to stop it. Definitely. And then can you just speak to why you're looking at in terms of suspending or rescinding the licenses of repeat offenders? Because, because, because I mean, the current inspection is not working. Orchard Villa, that was amongst the top offenders and was in the report of the army, as you know, they got extra beds. They have more beds than before. 
any normal country would have closed that place or suspended the license for a while until they pull up their socks and provide better care. Instead, they were, they were, you know, um, incentivized, or they were, they yeah. were, they received a price of more beds. That's right. No, no one else. In no other industry, we will be doing that. Nowhere else, we will be doing that. Are you going to yeah. tell me that someone that that causes death, a person? A person, because these are homes, huh? they have owners, they have chains, they have owners, they have shareholders. Do you want to tell me that a person that kills someone in the street, right? They're put in jail, isn't it? If they're proven criminal, people, will they receive a bonus? Like something is wrong in the picture of what we are doing, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what happened is criminal, it's criminal. We saw it in front of our eyes. Many of us spoke about that. It got to stop, it got to stop. And I don't see it stopping so far. No, but, and then the, the third point in terms of the new builds, how does the RNAO see that the new builds really should be? Well, let me start before the builds even. Before I start any new builds, even if they are beautiful and small, I would like to help people in their home. That's number one. Most people as they age want to live in their own home. Beautiful home, less beautiful home, small home, large home, mini home. They want to be in their home, in their own community, with their own neighbors, with their own problems and with their own smiles. Yeah. They want life in their own place. So let's do first, how do we help people to remain as vibrant members of our communities, supported by home care, supported by support services, supported by groups like yours that can provide some type of service if you were to get some funding, supported by groups of neighbors that can go and visit if there was some way of supporting those neighbors, etc. And then side by side with that, let's build within our communities, not mega buildings, but as part of primary care, as part of home care, let's build smaller places where people can live, let's say six, six people that are friends and are aging and they want to go and live together. 15 people that are aging with their own community. People in your own community that are aging, that they have the possibility to age together in smaller type of settings with supports that are external to them because they cannot manage it. Um, in New York, for example, they have buildings, as you know, of people that have aged and they have a nurse that actually lives in that building or that goes every day to that building. That those are the type of models that we need to also think out of the box instead of only this mega massive. Yes. I don't want to call them, but you know, I will call yes. them. You know, but I think we need to we need to look at European models. Scandinavia has them. There is one in BC functioning well. I really think that 
I really hope, I don't think, I hope that we will have an uproar in the streets and we will be the first to organize them after this pandemic is over because now we will endanger the public and we will be part of the problem. But I hope that we will have an uproar of people that are at an age that they demand better yes. for their own future and the future of their lives. Exactly. More, humane, more humane models, more community-based models, yeah. more primary care, uh, community-led, community-supported, home care supported, Wilson Mills and others. There are so many people that want to help neighbors that all we need is to give some type of structure to help them support their own. Yes, absolutely. And I know that um, just recently on March the 18th, um, this month, your involvement with the new Long-Term Care Committee on Staffing, I know you mentioned a little bit about that before, but if you can just a little, you know, mention a little bit more. So I can mention as much as I can mention because this, 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 this is not my committee, I'm a member of that committee, right? But it's a committee that aims to accelerate um, the staffing for long-term care. Uh, I am unclear if the acceleration means less than the four years, which is what we have been asking, right? We have been asking that four hours of care uh, within the next two years. That's not what I have heard so far from the committee. Mm -hmm. uh, so I hope I hope that the plan will come back to us that at least is three years or two and a half years. And also we have not heard about the commitment to, we, we did hear about the commitment to both regulated and unregulated stuff, but no specifics. And we do hope that we hear about nursing home basic care guarantee which as you know, the specific I just gave a bit ago, now with the 48 minutes of an RN per 24 hours, 60 minutes of an RPN per 24 hours, 132 minutes of a PSW per 24 hours, and that is your four worked hours of care, plus a nurse practitioner in every single home yeah. as an employee of that home and an IPAC nurse in that home. I hope we will hear about that, um, time will tell. And we, yes. I'm sure I will be back with your reporting. I have. Thank you. And so this is the last question. And this is, we talked about this back when you first came on to the Chronicles as well about the, the coping for nurses. And unfortunately during this pandemic, there have been some lives that have been lost. And as well, I know the RNAO is definitely continuing with the conversation and support uh, for nurses to be able to speak and to talk. Um, can you share that with our listeners and why that's so important? Yeah, it's a very difficult because um, two lives have been lost. Um, um, and tomorrow we are releasing a report. So tomorrow I invite you to come at 2 p.m. from 2 to 4. From two to three will, will be the release of the report and three to four will be a meeting with nurses to talk about the report more and you can stay. Um, it has been a very difficult journey in the sense that it has been very long, very long a year, uh, very intense. Uh, you know the site of long-term care and you're 
your uh, families know that attend your Chronicle and others that, that watch your program, your excellent program. It has been very long also for nurses in hospital. In ICUs now is brutal, brutal. Uh, it has been very difficult for nurses that work in correction facilities, very hard for nurses that work with persons that experience homelessness. Very, very tough time. And, um, and for students that not all of them continue with their clinical placements and they were super stressed about missing the entire year of yes. education. Uh, so it's both the, it's the colliding of the lens of the pandemic with the intensity of the experience because of the traumatic sickness of people with COVID and the tremendous toll of seeing so many people dying of it, right? Um, nurses, we are used to difficult situations. We are used to working in ICU or long-term care, but we are also used to see people walking out of, of it more often than not. Um, we, have, we do see death in long-term care, but not to the extent that was, this was brutal. Um, so the report tomorrow will be pretty dramatic and I don't want to give you a lot of, yeah. a lot of um, insight into it because it's not fair. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you that there will be a significant attrition from the profession. So for the many that want to join our profession, now is the right time because we will be short. Yes. Uh, and, and one of the recommendations is indeed to increase the enrollment. Um, and uh, for my colleagues, I asked them to hang in there because COVID will be over one day, I hope so. Um, and we are pushing for the supports you need. We're pushing for more hands on care, for more minds on care, for more love on care. And we are pushing for investments by government, by employers, and also by the public recognition that you, Wendy and the Chronicle, so beautifully do. But I wish the government will do as beautifully publicly about the recognition to nurses for what they have given and continue to give during this pandemic and to commit that, that the premier will bring more people, more RNs, more in peace to work because if not, people will continue to quit. And that's not what we need because the system will collapse. Yes. Thank you so much, Doris. I appreciate your time for coming on to the Long-Term Care Chronicles and uh, thank you again. Thank you, thank you, sure. take care.